This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Did you know that there are companies that will sell you fake Twitter followers? Yes, these are fake followers, and they are being bought by some people to artificially boost their popularity. Those people include, at least uh, noted right now, actress, model, and now businesswoman Kathy Ireland, singer Clay Aiken, Dell Technology CEO Michael Dell, and many others. And now the New York State Attorney General's office is looking into the matter, considering it a case of fraud. With more on this, we are joined here in studio by David Berman, who's a doctoral candidate here at the University of Pennsylvania, but he has been studying the fake follower push. And also with us, Jennifer Goldback, director of the Social Intelligence Lab at the University of Maryland. David, nice meeting you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Jen, as always, great to talk to you about it. Glad to be back. So, Jen, I was mentioning this with David, and I get your thoughts. This is something that I didn't really know about, so kind of give us a, a little bit of history on it. Yeah, you know, this is something that actually originated before a lot of the social media that we're used to, you know, in the last couple of years. You've been able to buy attention for quite a while. Um, some of this actually started with online contests, right? So submit a photo of your pet, and whoever gets the most votes wins. And, you know, sometimes your friends will pester you to do that, but you actually can go buy from some of these same companies uh, hundreds or thousands of votes in online contests. And they exist, obviously, on platforms like Twitter and Facebook, but also you can buy YouTube views. Uh, you can buy all these things. I've done it in my own research. Um, we're trying to figure out how to detect these fake accounts. And it's super simple. So, for example, if you have a tweet that you want to get liked or retweeted, you go to the website of one of these companies, you paste in the link to the tweet, you pay them via PayPal. I think I paid $3 for 100 likes on Twitter. And uh, as soon as your PayPal payment processes, you can watch the like count zip up over the next, like, two or three minutes. Um, huh. And, yeah, you can buy followers this way. You can buy retweets, shares, likes on any social media platform. And the idea, you know, basically is to make you look more popular than you really are. And sometimes that can make you grow in popularity, but other times it kind of just makes you feel better. So, uh, David, this company, Devumi, which mm. is supposedly either based in New York or Florida, depending on where the sure. where the address comes up. Give us the background on this company and really maybe how they got started and what they're doing and what their end goal is. Obviously, part of it is just a financial gain. Sure. So uh, Devumi is one of many, many, perhaps hundreds of a sort of cottage industry of websites that sell uh, Facebook uh, likes, Twitter followers, and so forth. Um, and... Devumi is essentially a, a, a tiny outfit with an office above a Mexican restaurant in West Palm Beach. Um, so <laughs> it's they, they list on their website that they're based in Manhattan, that they have you know probably a fancy office to sort of establish legitimacy um, in much the same way that they're trying to sell you uh, fake followers so that you yourself can establish legitimacy. Um, and they don't, aren't even really making these uh, bots themselves. They're uh, basically resellers. They're wholesalers who are creating these bots, mostly in the third world. Um, and then they are buying these bots, Devumi is, and selling them at a profit, selling them to people who want to boost their Facebook likes, boost their social media presence, um, and essentially engage in a form of, let's say, attention hacking. So uh, then uh, the, the bots that are being made, as you mentioned, are being made f uh, for the most part outside of the U.S., outside of just the attention 
that these people are gaining by buying these tweets and, and retweets and followers, what are the real, in terms of hardcore impacts that we're talking about here on the structure of the Internet, potentially? Sure. So it is one way to establish legitimacy, right, for somebody who does not yet have that credibility. Uh, so if a celebrity has a degree of, of credibility, they have a certain amount of, of followers, this is sort of a way to simulate that they are somebody important, somebody worth listening to, um, and they might not be worth listening to, but right. because you see that they have a lot of Twitter followers or Facebook likes on their page, people might be more willing to, to buy into the idea that this is a credible source. Well, one of the things I found interesting that you mentioned to me before we went on there is, and in terms of my Twitter account, which I use to promote the show, uh, I probably have about 1,000 or 1,100 mm -hmm. followers, and you were saying that, that chances are I most definitely will have some fake accounts that, that are following me right now. Absolutely. And uh, I'm not accusing you of, of buying no, uh, right. Twitter, Twitter followers. But You should see my paycheck. <laughs> I have no chance of that. Right. But what does happen, so the scope of the problem is this. About uh, Facebook has recently said they have 60 million uh, fake accounts on their platform. That's Facebook saying it. And they have an incentive to downplay the number of fake accounts on their platform. Right. I've seen estimates as high as 270 million. Um, so this is not wow. just a few people. This is uh, more potentially more fake accounts on their platform than any number of real accounts in any country in the world. So what these accounts will do is, you know, they might be hired to like 50 or 60 of their customers' uh, Facebook pages or Twitter accounts and so forth. But um, Facebook and Twitter's detection algorithms will see that they are only liking these certain pages that they're right. paid to promote and then they'll weed them out and they'll close them down. So what they do to sort of um, to sort of trick these algorithms into believing that they're real, real people is like random people that they have not been paid to, to like or tweet. So if you are on Twitter and you see a, a, a bunch of followers who you don't have any idea who they are, uh, look like they're you know not real people, maybe are promoting unsavory content, yeah. um, that might be the reason why. And Dan, if I could just follow up on that, there's a really interesting implication that comes from this, especially on Facebook, because if you have yeah. like a professional page on Facebook, it's not shown to everybody who likes you. Facebook only shows it to, say, 10 or 15 percent of people. And right. if you have something that's really popular, they'll show it to more people or they'll charge you money to show it to more people. Right. So if you think about it, if half your followers are fake and you didn't even recruit them, that means... The number of real people who see your content is actually lower than it would be otherwise because some of those views that Facebook is allowing are going to these fake people. That was actually so, going to be that was actually going to be my next question, Jen. Was the fact that, and coincidentally, I do have a professional page on Facebook, and I see the 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 notes that are sent to me from time to time. Hey, do you want to boost your your messages going out of that professional page for five dollars, nine dollars, whatever it might be? That's right. And so that's a legitimate way to do it. You know, you're paying Facebook to have them show it to more people. But yeah, I mean, what you really want is the people who are super interested in your message to see your message. You don't want, uh, you know, a thousand fake accounts in India and Russia that don't have any real pe people behind them to see this message when they're not interested in it. And so Facebook almost has a disincentive, well, they certainly do have a disincentive to identify and shut down some of those fake liking accounts because ultimately those accounts liking your content dilutes it getting out to the real audience and gives you 
just more incentive to pay Facebook to boost the visibility of your posts. Yeah, I would also add to that there is an important component here with regards to advertising and Facebook. When people advertise on Facebook, they expect uh, that their advertisements will reach a certain number of people, right? Flesh and blood people. Right. And so they pay $10,000, $5,000 to reach X amount of people. But uh, because there are so many uh, fake accounts on Facebook, not all they're, they're paying to reach not just flesh and blood human beings, but accounts. So for advertisers, they see when they're um, advertising with Facebook a significant uh, inefficiency um, because they're spending money that's not actually being used to get their content out to, to real people. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call with your comments or questions. There probably are, I, I would think, Jen, a lot of people that are hearing this conversation right now that this may be taking them by surprise. I, I'm In talking with Dave before we went on the air, I wasn't necessarily surprised that something like this would be going on, but it did catch me off guard to potentially the extent as to what it's what's going on. The scale of it is really huge, and, you know, as has come up in this conversation, and David mentioned, um, there's a disincentive for Twitter and, and Facebook, and especially Twitter, actually, to tell us how many of these accounts are fake. It seems like a big percentage, and, you know, David has probably encountered this in his research. I do in my research to find uh, fake accounts and bad behavior. They're everywhere, and... You know, I have done research on this. I've posted lists of Russian bot networks that are posting spam that are doing this fake kind of following. I've posted, you know, written papers on how to detect them. And stuff that I published on three years ago, those fake accounts are still active and online <laughs> on Twitter. Like somebody at Twitter read my paper yeah. and decided not to take these down. But, you know, Dan, as we've talked about on the show a lot, one of the problems that Twitter has is growing their monthly active user base. And so the last thing they want to do is take down, let's say, 20% of their active monthly accounts that are bots, right? Yeah. They, they're really careful about this. And so, yeah, it's something where you can make a ton of money. There's all kinds of accounts that are using these. You mentioned a lot of the celebrity ones, but there's a lot of just like teens who buy likes for their selfies, which is a little bit sad, but something that I run into a lot when I look at this, all kinds of people buying this stuff uh, for contests, for boosting their ego. And it's so easy. It's an easy way to make money. And yeah, it seems like it's making up a really substantial percentage right. of the accounts on these networks. The way for you to join in with your comments or questions about this, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get your phone, send us a comment on Twitter at bizradio, B-I-Z radio, 111, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. In Pensacola, Florida, Jane is on the line. Jane, go ahead. Hi. Hi. Well, I love the story um, this morning. Um, I'm in the business on two fronts. One, I'm an agency that helps people with social media. And two, I have a small brand who is one of those companies that's trying very hard to build their social media following. You know, this has been going on for a long, long time. And you only have to hop on that freelance work site. I think it's called Upwork. And you could find 100 plus postings of people who are saying they'll help you create, you know, and increase your followers. Um, in a very fake way. Obviously, AI and this whole bot activities made it easier to do it. And I guess I'm calling to remind people that, you know, power of people who do deals are still probably about 50 years old, especially with legacy brands, right? And so those are people that might not be technology, you know, as savvy as some others. And, 
you know, deals were done and didn't happen based on the number of followers and, you know, the social media footprint that brands had. And mostly they were fake. And it's just another example of how, you know, deep pockets and bigger brands can squeeze out the little guy uh, for activity like this. So I'm, so I'm so happy you're shining light on it. And I will just remind people out there in the real world that it is super, yeah. super hard to get people to engage and to increase your number of followers. So if you're if you feel like you're the only one not doing it, don't, you know, take heart. It's harder than people make it sound. Jane, thanks very much for the call. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah. So I would say that this is part of a, a bigger problem, which is that the social media platforms are not public spheres. Uh, they encourage are incentivized uh, to encourage their users uh, to pursue these kinds of activities. They want people to uh to create viral content. They want people to create engaging content because that makes their platform uh, more sticky. It makes it uh, more attractive for people to, to stay on. So when, when they show their metrics uh, to their users, when they show the average user how many likes or retweets that they're getting, this creates a sort of insecurity within their, their user base, which creates the sort of need or desire in some case uh, to, to buy these followers. Nobody wants to put their you know, life story in a tweet or a Facebook post and then see that nobody engages with it, right? That's sort of yeah. embarrassing. Um, this is a, so this is a, an attention economy which is based on, on promotion, on self-promotion um, and sort of a social bots are one way to, um, to address this. Jen, your comments? Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. It, it initially will make you look more popular, um, but a lot of these social media companies are sort of recognizing this. And so if you're really trying to get into the game, right, make money on an account, not just you know, have a couple posts that look good, uh, there's other metrics that are now becoming more important. So if we look at YouTube, for example, it's super easy to buy YouTube views or YouTube followers. Um, they have adjusted their monetization qualifications, right, for you to be able to basically make money on ads. Uh, by now requiring view time, uh, so a certain number of hours per year that people actually watch your videos. And that's a lot harder to buy than people just liking your page. And so the metrics that people are starting to look at are shifting a little bit away from number of followers or number of likes to like real engagements that are harder to automate, though we can certainly expect that the bots are going to catch up and you know find ways to do that too. Well, Jen, let me ask you this. From, from the legal perspective, I know that part of it's not necessarily your bailiwick, but I, I guess at this point it's not a surprise that, as I said, at the top, the New York Attorney General's office is looking into this. And my question on top of that is, do you expect we're going to see even further uh, of a legal push on this? I think we're certainly going to see deeper investigations. Um, there are definitely ways that this can you know, count and qualify as fraud. Um, there are contests that use this. There are, you know, requirements for partnerships that will look at things like number of followers and likes. Um, so maybe you qualify for a certain ad platform if you have a certain number of engagements. So if you're buying fake ones to do that, that could potentially be construed as fraud. Um, and one thing that we also saw in the New York Times article is that they found uh, and I think Twitter has announced this, that a lot of Donald Trump's tweets have been liked and retweeted by these bot accounts. I've seen that, too. I mean, it was one of the first things that I ran into in my research is that there is a lot of Trump content being shared. Now, that doesn't mean he or his people are paying for it. I could pay to have a bot like Donald Trump's tweets if I wanted to. Right. Um, 
you know, anybody could do it. Or, you know, as David said, they a lot of times will just randomly engage with content, and, you know, his is popular. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot of investigations, certainly on the legal side regarding fraud, uh, but also on the political side, you know, how is this making politicians look more popular, get engaged? Um, and bots have been an issue for Trump in a lot of ways, uh, different ones than this. But, uh, you know, I think it's expanding that universe that we'll look at. We are talking about uh, uh, fake followers and fake retweets on social media. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or, again, you can send me a comment, well, on Twitter, I promise. It, it is <laughs> my Twitter account, at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. David Berman, who's a doctoral candidate here at the University of Pennsylvania and is doing a lot of research on this. Joining me in studio, Jen Goldbeck, uh, who has also done research on this at the University of Maryland, joining us on the phone right now. What's your thoughts in terms of, of the potential legal push in your mind, David? Yeah, so I think uh, Attorney General, uh, New York State's Attorney General Eric Schneiderman's uh, decision uh, to go after or at least investigate Davumi is a decent first step into tackling this problem of, of fake accounts. But I think the, the bigger problem here lies not with these uh, small companies, oftentimes based in the developing world, or in this case, you know, a, a company that's uh, based on top of a Mexican restaurant in, in yeah. Florida. Yeah. I think the, the bigger fish to fry, and this probably has to be a, a political rather than legal um, move, um, is Facebook and Twitter. These are, are the people who I think are ultimately responsible for what's going on on, on their platform. Um, bots, fake news, um, and clickbait are, are able to thrive on platforms like Facebook and Twitter because the business model of these companies is to maximize user engagement and time spent on the platform and thus advertising revenues rather than sort for truth. Um, so long as that's their business model, then there's going to be an incentive for people to uh, to game the system through bots and things like that. What do you think the responsibility of Facebook and Twitter and other entities is, Jen? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. This is a tough one, though. Right? So, you know, we've talked about their civic, role, civic responsibility with respect to fake news or maybe stepping up and allowing the kind of media regulation uh, that we see, say, with respect to advertising in elections. Uh, but this is a trickier one, right? To, how do you get people to like things? Uh, you know, if I paid you a dollar to like my tweet, would that be bad, right? I mean, you might do it for a buck. Right, um, right. If I'm paying someone to do it with a bunch of bots that they run, you know, is that something that there's really a moral, civic, legal responsibility for Facebook and Twitter to address? I don't know. I mean, I agree with David. Like, in an ideal world, we want them to limit this kind of behavior. Uh, I think they're trying to for a variety of reasons, but they're not trying super hard because there are all these trade-offs that they have to deal with. But this becomes, you know, more difficult for them. I think what we are going to see in terms of more immediate action is a little more of a push from Facebook to try to shut these accounts down because they are the biggest, so they don't have as much worry around those numbers. And they really push for this real identity to go with an account. So they kind of have a mechanism to deal with that. I think Twitter is going to be a lot trickier. It has been hard to get really malicious, terrible accounts shut down, let alone these bots that are just liking stuff. And so... Uh, it's going to be hard, I think, to get to a place where we see kind of internal industry regulation of this and, and a lot of you know, hard work to stop those bots. David? Yeah, I, I, I would not 
rely on the beneficence of Facebook uh, and Twitter <laughs> yeah. uh, to regulate themselves. I think this has to be external regulation and has to be uh, public policy, um, which is hard because for, for many years, Silicon Valley has gotten a free pass. Uh, America, until, let's say, the, the presidential election, has seen Silicon Valley as a speaking of innovation and progress yeah. in a country where so many things weren't working. People thought that the political system wasn't working. People thought the economy wasn't working for lots of people. But here's Silicon Valley. Um, they're doing good things. They're innovating. They're creating platforms which were said to be unalloyed social goods. And moreover, many regulators didn't quite understand what was going on. Okay. So the idea of, of regulating them has until recently been anathema. But I think that's changing. I think there's an immense amount of scrutiny over uh, over their business model now, over how they make money, over what their the, the role of, of social media platforms is in a, a vibrant democratic society. Um, and I think that, that bots who can be bought for pennies on the dollar to make some people who, who don't have much credibility seem more credible um, is a, an incredible affront to uh, the online public sphere that needs to be dealt with through public policy. 844-942-7866 is the number to join in with your comments or questions. 844-942-7866. Or again, uh, you can uh, send us a message on Twitter at bizradio111, B-I-Z radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at danloney21. Uh, Jen, I, I mean, when you're talking about companies that rely on, you know, the, the volume of people that, that that Facebook and Twitter and other sites have, uh, you're talking about millions upon millions of people worldwide that could be impacted by this on a variety of different fronts. The concern you have here in the United States, and I think you alluded to it before, is the fact from a cultural perspective, a lot of the people that may be the ones that would be you know, the, the people to potentially make some of these decisions aren't necessarily understanding of, of how this technology works and understanding the impact of this. Plus, on top, there's the, the election piece to it is now that the the social media component is such a huge piece in election and politics, there may be even an angle for the politicians to not necessarily want to do anything about this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And so just in terms of people understanding it, this is a hard thing to explain. You know, I'm sure I know you're an active Twitter user. I have this problem talking to people who who use social media but don't use Twitter. Like, it's hard to explain how the system works, right, to, to really get them to understand it. Uh, I, you know, I think that's true for explaining how any social media platform works to someone who doesn't use it. And that's absolutely true of the regulators. They tend to be older. They didn't grow up with this technology. Some of them are perfectly capable of using and understanding these, but not all of them do. And that makes it hard to explain the impact of this when you go, oh, this tweet like has 10,000 fake likes, and they go, none of those words made any sense to me. Why do I need to regulate this? Uh, so yeah, that's certainly a problem. And I think you're exactly right to point out that there can also be a disincentive for politicians to regulate this too closely if there's a way that they see that they can benefit from it. Um, you know, I think fortunately, from like a cultural perspective on that front, there are laws that exist that regulate other types of media. You know, I mentioned before um, the regulation about disclosing who paid for ads. Uh, there's a lot of those kinds of regulations that could be easily translated into this space if there's the political will to do it. Uh, but there's, I think, a separate issue that's related to all this, which is 
a lot of people don't want the bots to go away if it means their followers and likes decrease. Um, and we saw this. There was a big purge probably five or six years ago on Instagram where they got rid of all these fake accounts. And people saw their follower count drop sometimes by 50%. And they hadn't bought the fake follows. They just happened to be there. And they were really angry. They were demanding that Instagram give them back the fake followers because they wanted to look more popular, even though they knew they were fake. And so, you know, there's a social dynamic of seeing your popularity and your interaction decrease that some people might not like, even though we do it for a good reason. So, yeah, there's a lot of complexities in terms of understanding, regulating, and getting support, not just from politicians, but from all kinds of people uh, about controlling this kind of behavior. David? Yeah, I I generally agree. Um, Although I I, I would say... um, you know, if people are upset that they see, you know, some of their, their followers disappear, I think that um, is a concern, but I think is subsidiary to the, the bigger problem of, of misinformation um, and uh, deception online. I think that, to me, is, is a larger priority. If that comes at the expense of people uh, who have, you know, stumbled upon some bots in their uh, Facebook likes or, or Twitter following, um, I'm, I'm okay with that trade-off. Great having you both with us, David. Nice meeting you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me on. Jen, great having you on the phone again. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Jen Goldbeck from the University of Maryland. David Berman uh, from right here at the University of Pennsylvania. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.